Welcome to this series of podcasts for FinTech CTO Club, a community where tech executives learn and share best leadership practices. Here, Vasil Soloschuk, CEO of Insart and the author of FinTech CTO Club, will discuss burning topics on the FinTech product development arena with the technical leaders in the industry. This is episode 16 of our podcast. We are going to talk with Greg Yi, founder and CTO at Capitact, an innovative advisor technology platform. All right. Could you please introduce yourself and uh, tell us what's your background uh, in, in FinTech and what is your current role? Yeah, so... Um, <clears throat> So, so my name is Gregory, um, or people call me Greg. Um, you know, I, I am one of the co-founders here at uh, Capitect. And so we started Capitect with my partner, Edwin, about almost, almost five years ago, I think. Um, you know, probably by the end of the year, it will be five years. Um, you know, so the last five years, we've been building uh, Capitect, which is a portfolio management piece of software. Um, you know, so, you know, prior to this role, I've uh, been involved with kind of multiple companies, big and small, middle uh, as well. Um, first started my career out at uh, Lockheed Martin. Um, you know, it's a kind of defense company, uh, if you're not aware of that. Then moved off into the translation world, right? Doing kind of language translations. Um, so doing a lot of uh, building around kind of integrations around integrations with different tools. Um, the company was called uh, SDL and then from SDL, uh, really entered the kind of the FinTech space for the first time, which was, um, uh, at bill.com as a kind of senior product manager there. And so in that role, pretty much, um, you know, again, building a lot of integrations, working with a lot of the accountants in the kind of the accountant channel that they have. Um, so, that kind of introduced me to my current role, which is um, we found a, a lot of kind of interesting kind of similarities between working with accounts and financial advisors. And had I had, you know, obviously I had done a lot of building for uh, accounts at the time while I was in uh, uh, Bill.com uh, to then take on this role was a kind of a natural fit. Right. Um, and then so I uh, came on this, you know, again, almost five years now with Edwin and uh, steadily growing. So, so, so that's great. <clears throat> okay. That's cool. And uh, so what difference uh, do you see between, uh, you know, being a city of fintech company and uh, working in some other industry that you, uh... yeah. So I think, you know, I, I think the big is like regulations, right? Obviously regulations, obviously data security, you know, top notch. Although I've been, you know, in other companies that, you know, like like the Lockheeds or like the, you know, other kind of fintech in, in the account space where security was always in high kind of, um, you know, highly kind of concerned issue that you have to, to deal with. Um, so, so, so I think, you know, to me, I, I think, from a security standpoint, it's always been there. Um, but, but especially working with, you know, developing FinTech for advisors and handling of, you know, clients assets, and especially, you know, now these days with, you know, breaches and in terms of security, so I think more and more focus, you know, should and, and obviously be attended and, and looked at uh, from a security standpoint and ensuring that 
whatever is really stored is encrypted. And so we spent a lot of time kind of thinking about it when we, when we on, at the onset of this company is how can, what, what can we do to ensure data security is the best that we can offer, right? And so, so we've done a number of things around that to help ensure that, you know, you know that, that we're protected and our clients' assets or data is, is connected as well, right? Okay, okay, that's great. And uh, as soon as you are more than f- uh, four years away in uh, with uh, Capitec, so it's interesting to know how your role as a CTO evolved, you know, through this time. Yeah, no, that's that's a good question. Um, yeah, so when we first started this uh, with <laughs> with just Edwin and I, um, mm-hmm. you know, pretty much we, we didn't have a product, right? We built it from scratch, right? So it's not it's not one of those situations where, let's say we bought a product and then we basically fixed it up and then marketed it, right? Mm-hmm. It was something that we built ground up. So a lot of attention, at, at, at least at the very beginning, was all about, you know, what technology to choose, which technologies to put together, right, to make sure that we had something that was sound, something that was scalable and something that, you know, could essentially kind of, you know, if you look, you know, five years, 10 years down the line, that would still be relevant, right, in, in that time frame. And so a lot of the technology choice was, you know, we, we, we definitely got, went back and forth a little bit around that. Um, but once we decided, it was all about building. So I think of the five years that, you know, we are in existence, I think we spent almost about a year, a year and a half, or almost even two years building the product out. So we did no marketing or anything like that. We wanted to make sure the product was right, uh, fit the need of, you know, obviously the advisors that we support, and then, and then, and then basically, you know, and then basically market it. So once we, once we had a, a pretty decent product, we began to market it, and, you know, we started going basically to the conference circuit, and then, um, so obviously roles change, right? So no longer was I spending nights uh, Edwin and I spending nights on <laughs> building the product, you know, we, you know, we were basically on the conference circuit and, and basically, you know, marketing our, our solution. Uh, by, by no means does that mean like, oh, you know, at two years point, we were like done implementing, right? I think as a product set, uh, you know, we're, we're nowhere close to being done. I would say we're probably, you know, I, I think at that two year mark, we were probably maybe 40, maybe even 50% done with what we, what our original goal was, right? Um, okay. Even today, after five years, I don't think we're uh, there yet either, right? I think we're still building, we still have... Uh, you know, a little ways to to go to get to our original, uh, to what we originally uh, uh, thought about, you know, building. Um, so, so I think, but in any case, the role changes, obviously, and, you know, no longer were we kind of invested in, a lot of time was invested in um, building, but, you know, uh, sales on the marketing. And, and now, I think as we're starting to kind of, you know, reach this point where we're onboarding uh, a lot of advisors, you know, there, you know there, there's a lot of time being spent today getting on sales calls, onboarding calls, and then customer support, right? So, mm-hmm. in fact, I find today that I'm doing more of that stuff than the actual development. And, and sometimes, obviously, I wish, you know, we can go back to where we were, but I think, you know, this is obviously a good problem to have that we're having this onboarding and, and sales calls and, and doing customer support because we know that people are using it. So, so that's great. <clears throat> How big sense? is your, yeah? So how big is the current engineering team in your company? 
So we're, we're still pretty run a small uh, unit. Uh, I think there is just a handful of us uh, on the team right now. Um, so that kind of work full time. Uh, we may hire, you know, during like summer months, we may hire some part time help um, to, you know, handle some administrative stuff. Um, but, but in large part, it's just, you know, four, four or five of us with some kind of part time help, you know, as we come along. Um, I, I think that's been kind of good. You know, I think, you know, we've tried to keep it light. We've tried to keep it pretty flexible and agile in, in, in the respect that, you know, all of us um, can, you know, essentially touch the product, right? And so, so whether it's a, uh, you know, an engineer that's basically doing, you know, that we're feeding kind of feedback or requests to uh, for having them do, or myself getting on a call with, you know, maybe a customer or doing customer support calls and then identifying issue and then right away identifying the issue and then resolving that by, you know, me going in there and, and doing the work. So uh, it, it's helped us keep us, you know, uh, kind of flexible and kind of uh, agile in that respect, but we're definitely bumping into this, this, uh, you know, scalability thing where, you know, you know, like I had mentioned earlier, you know, in terms of kind of support calls and onboarding calls, those, those are starting to get in a lot of the ways in terms of, um, you know, having to get, you know, having to support, you know, maybe, you know, fixes and stuff like that. But in general, so far it's been working out. Okay. Okay. So do, um, you know, I, I, I've seen a couple of strategies uh, like scaling the company overall and engineering team as well. So some uh, companies, they prefer, you know, to get uh, invest, uh, to get invested and, uh, you know, scale the engineering team and trying to, you know, to build uh, the huge product with uh, yeah. lots of different features and bring it to the market. The other companies are uh, trying to be small but where is focused and uh, you know solve some very niche problems of uh, of mm -hmm. the clients, and you know with the bigger company it could be problems of scale, and you need to manage all the stuff. But with the smaller team it's maybe even easier to manage. That's so right. just just interesting to know what's your I mean at, at even at but it's it's the it's dynamic process. Just interesting to know. As soon as you're stick to be more smaller organization than bigger, so what what is the decision behind that? Uh, so do do you want to stay smaller and be more flexible? And why is it so? Or maybe something prevent you to to scale your uh, organization right now? So just interesting to know. Yeah, what, yeah, what that, that makes sense. Um, yes. You know, I, I think we've generally chose to stay small um, because I think in reality, you know, because our product isn't, we believe our product still has a, a lot of runway in, in terms of uh, things that we need to build. So in a sense, we're still in, in the early phases of mm -hmm. trying to, you know, test the market, right? Test mm -hmm. the market out. So I think we're not yet at the point where we, you know, it's it's like you know we have a, 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 a you know a running running uh, you know a, a kind of a efficient running engine right where where you know we know what we are building we know what we're clients we want and you know it's just time to kind of scale up and and, and hire more people to do that mm -hmm. since our product is still evolving on a day even after five years right like I said we're we're still we still have a ways to go in terms of what our product what we envision our product to be. 
Mm-hmm. Um, we're still trying to figure out again, you know, you know, as we make adjustments and we make changes to our product, what those effects will be, right? And obviously in that setting, you need to be, you need to have a flexible working environment. Like you need to have a flexible kind of environment where, you know, if a requirement comes in, you know, either it's on a customer support call or whether it's a, <laughs> whether it's some feature requests that, you know, we're, we're getting from our, our current customers, uh, we need to implement it right away. And to have a large team, there's obviously an overhead that comes with that. Mm-hmm. So, so part of the logistic is we're still trying to figure out, right, you know, what that product will be as we kind of move towards our end state. And, and also it's, it's just the reactional piece, which is, um, yeah, you know, I mean, we, we just need to be able to implement solutions right away and, and, mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and get that turnaround time, uh, you know, done. And we feel that right now in order to get to that, we, we need to keep those teams small. Um, so, and I think to allude to your point about being focused, I think we are pretty focused on a certain thing. It's not one of those things. Our tool is not, you know, an all, you know, uh, a jack of all trades kind of solution, right? We're very focused on a very particular uh, advisor group, right? Um, and okay. so, uh, you know, you know, even though we fall under the umbrella of being a portfolio management system, I think you know, as you know, there's different levels of being a, uh, being a portfolio management. And, and within that, you know, kind of, you know, array of uh, portfolio management tools, we're focused, we're very focused on a certain group, right, that would use us. And, and, and that, keep, that helps us keep us small, too. Okay, okay, great. So uh, you mentioned that, uh, you know, from the very beginning, you had to choose, you know, the technology stack and uh, define the architecture of the system. So just interesting, what's your, uh, what was the decision uh, process of selecting the current technology stack and selecting the current architecture of the system? So uh, when you need to build, I mean, like, it's always like when you build something from scratch, you need to be rather fast, rather flexible, but from the other hand, you need to build, you know, the scalable solution for the future needs. So can you, can you tell us a little bit more about this? So the technology stack that we ended up choosing was, um, we used Postgres as DB, uh, Node for backend, and then um, Angular for the front end, right? We felt that, Obviously, the common er- commonalities between Node and and um, Angular is, you know, the JavaScript. We felt that, you know, obviously, from a <laughs> from a kind of a adoption point of view, I mean, JavaScript kind of is mainstay. Yes, um, so that yes. kind of wanted to be kind of the premise of kind of the technologies that we chose. Um, you yeah, know, good. Node, Node. We chose Node for its kind of asynchronous uh, asynchronous setup, and so we knew that. We would handle have to handle a lot of data, and to be asynchronous in handling uh, data, you know, obviously would be a, a lot more efficient. Um, and then on the on the front end, Angular. I mean, <clears throat> Angular. I mean, we we wanted a single page app, right? Um, and so, obviously, in terms of choices that we had to choose from um, five years ago, I think Angular was a pretty big name, so we we chose you know that, and obviously. You may ask this later on, but I mean, what we do notice, even though it's been only kind of relatively short, I mean, I guess in technology speak, it's it's relatively 
old now, right? <laughs> For five years, but uh, yeah, but it's it's a very good choice, I think. You know, like Angular Node and Postgres. So I like yeah. I like this choice because you know, like even five years ago, it was a very I mean, it's a great choice actually. Yeah, and and yeah, so I think you know, just just looking over the past five years, obviously, you know each has made their own strides for improvement and version changes, which obviously for us, it's like, oh man, you know, there's obviously there's some issues of technical debt and all that stuff in terms of upgrading too. So, so yeah, so, but I, I think it's worked out real for, really well for us um, for the last five years and, and, you know, any kind of new technologies that come into play, uh, we're able to take advantage of it as well. Right. So, so what, what about the architecture of the system? Are you, are you trying to be like more like service oriented, like building microservices or it's more monolithic? So how? Yeah. So, you know, in terms of our back end, um, yeah, I mean, it's service oriented. I mean, it's pretty much, um, it's all kind of API based, right? Mm -hmm. um, so our front end is, could be decoupled from our backend if you really wanted to, and we can expose those into uh, APIs. So we do have APIs on our system now. Um, so, you know, as a product, I mean, obviously right now, I mean, the, the front end is pretty tightly coupled with the, uh, with the backend piece. Um, however, you know, there's by all means, there's no reason why it needs to be. Um, so again, it's kind of just kind of figuring out what request comes in, in terms of either integrations or other kind of services that, um, you know, advisors need, um, because, you know, in part of developing our kind of API or release was we basically took existing APIs that we were already using and then basically uh, layered in some authentication, right, to those APIs and then, and then mm -hmm. exposed it. So, um, you know, yeah, we're open to to either way, but I think as of late, and and you know, we haven't yet seen it where we want to open it, to kind of be kind of a full backend service uh, model. Um, I think you know, in in most of the advisors that we support, they do depend on a front end piece, and so so that's kind of what we're building right now, right? Okay, yeah. So this this is cool to know, and. Uh, uh, as soon as you have uh, the system, uh, the software in place for for almost five years, so what do you think about technical debt? Because you know, through the time, yeah. uh, you I mean, any 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 software will have a kind of technical debt, and you need to have some strategy of uh, updating your architecture, your technological stack, you know, uh, your maybe refactoring your source code. So what's, yeah. what, the, what the strategy, what the approach regarding the technical depth that you have? Yeah, it's always funny with technical debt, right? It's uh, you, you implement it and you're like, oh, it works, it's great, we'll move on, right? And then like, you come back later on after you're, <laughs> you, you, you know a little bit more about, you know, what you need to build and how to build it, then obviously the debt kind of piles up, right? And then at mm -hmm. that time you're like, well, I need to build other stuff, right? So how do you get back to technical debt and making sure that it works? Um, yeah, so our, our kind of strategy around technical debt is we know it's it's piling up. I, I think, um, you know, I think moving forward, we're, we're definitely more conscious of how we're doing implementation and kind of reusability of modules and, and building it from, a, from that point of view, really kind of, uh, you know, the kind of keep it simple model, right? Uh, the KISS model where, you know, we, uh, you know, obviously develop 
you know, modules that are reusable and that, that can be deployed uh, modularly, right? Um, so, so I think moving forward, we, we definitely have that more in mind as we did in the past. Um, but as we kind of think about technical debt, um, you know, I think our approach is, you know, if, you know, any new features that come into play, I think the simple thing is really just looking at what we had done before, do some refactoring as the, as the new feature uh, requires it, and then, and, then, and then we would handle technical debt that way, right? Um, so over time, you know, as we build features, um, you know, hopefully, you know, technical debt should be reduced a little bit. Um, you know, that's one form of technical debt, which is kind of the refactoring piece. The other form of technical debt with, I like, kind of alluded to, which is version controls, um, you know, that, that's, a, that's a little bit more difficult. <laughs> I think there's, <laughs> there's um, you know, in terms of version upgrades, um, we're, we're still, like, even though we started five years ago, we're on an older, older version of, of Angular. We're on Angular JS as opposed to the new versions. Okay. And so we've been trying to, kick that can down the road as of now, right? Just so that we don't have to do it. We know we have to eventually do it, but, um, but, but we, we just haven't pulled the Band-Aid off yet because we, we do understand that it's gonna be huge undertaking to refactor as well as, um, as, as, well as test, right? And I think that the test part is, is the important thing here too, because as we are building moving forward, we've tried to, um, kind of put in a discipline in place to have more automated testing, right? In the past, we used to just do kind of manual testing and then kind of go through our kind of development cycle through the melee. But I think we, as we, as you know, you know, as features kind of add up, you know, there's just no way you can do manual testing anymore. So we tried to instill more discipline around automated testing, unit testing, and then that should help us um, when we do transition from versions or we do refactor to different versions, that should help us, um, uh, you know, do that upgrade and then, and then, and then account for testing through automated uh, automation. Right. So that's kind of sort of our strategy. I mean, yeah, there's no real right one rate, one way to do it, but I, I, I we believe that test is a, is an important piece of that. And mm -hmm. so um, obviously even with tests, we have a, a lot of technical debt in terms of creating test cases mm -hmm. too. So, <laughs> so, so it's, it's just, again, it's finding the time to do it. And, and, but I think our, our discipline is any new features we, we write tests for and any features that will use older modules or legacy mm -hmm. modules, we will then uh, rewrite. Right. And so mm -hmm. over time, our hope is that we will reduce, you know, technical debt, but, you know, obviously not eliminating. Right. <clears throat> okay. Got it. Got it. So, um, as a CTO of fintech company, so what have you learned, you know, through the years of being a CTO? So what uh, can you tell, you know, to other CTOs? What are the important things that you need to take care about? Uh, you mean as a, we mean like internal to the organization? Yeah, I mean, or? yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean like uh, as soon as you're in charge of engineering processes. So what are the most important things? Uh, that CTO of fintech company need to know when he starts. Yeah, I mean, role. I think, you know, I think as an early stage company, um, I, I think processes, you know, I mean, a lot of people think that early stage companies, you don't really need to have process because there's only so many people in it. Mm -hmm. um, okay. But I think it, it's important, right? I think, um, 
you know, in terms of our development process, we have a two-week development cycle, two-week development okay. and cycle. And I think that's helped us um, give structure, right, in terms okay. of how we operate as a group, right? Um, because if we didn't have it, we'd be, you know, <laughs> it'd be, you know, two, three weeks, four months, four weeks, you know, one month, two weeks, two months down the line before we actually mm -hmm. uh, release anything. So I think, you know, thinking around a kind of a two-week development cycle, I think really enforces kind of our thinking of let's get, let's develop something small, get it out there, right? Develop something small again, get it out there, make iterations and then, and then even bug fixes, right? So that, you know, clients aren't waiting for a quarter or a half a year or a year to get new releases or fixes out. So I think that's important processes. Um, I think, you know, in terms of, um, you know, kind of alluding back to what I said before, in terms of development wise, I mean, keeping everything modularized, right? Uh, keeping it simple, I think, uh, you know, you know, and always looking for uh, developing modules for reuse, I think mm -hmm. is really helpful, right? Because I think any kind of future needed, you know, future kind of future ads, right? Obviously, you know, a lot of work doesn't have to be done because of our modules are built. So we're, we're building our library of, of, you know, essentially modules that we can reuse. And, and I think that's, that's really been helpful as of late, you know, especially developing uh, new features on the site, right? Um, so I think those two things, I mean, I think, I think in general, you would find that to be applicable across all companies. Um, I think, you know, for a small, smaller startup, I think it's, it's even more important because you're, you know, you know, you, everything, everything in this world is fast and, and to have some structure around being fast and, mm -hmm. and stuff, I think it helps a lot, you know. Okay, okay. So what do you think about uh, what kind of uh, and what kind and what type of software engineers you should have in the early stage uh, fintech startup? So what skill sets should they have? Uh, yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, so what we look for in terms of engineering is a person that can do pretty much a, a little of everything, right? Um, you know, we, we, we don't you know, for, for example, like uh, we do have a design person on staff, right? Um, but that design person just doesn't just do design, right? They do, you know, all the markups, they do uh, a little bit of elements of front end kind of development as well, right? Mm -hmm. um, but they'll have to handle, you know, you know, obviously coming up with a design, right? Uh, whether that's through, um, you know, a Photoshop setting or whether that's through using other tools to come up with design but also to take that design and make it real, right? Through, you know, right. the, the, the markup that they come up with and the style sheets that they come up with. So we found that to be really helpful, right? In that, um, you know, in, in many cases, you know, when we do come up with new features that require new designs, um, you know, we'll, <laughs> you know, you know, most of us will just kind of do the implementation and then we'll, we'll pass that over to our design person to handle all the markup stuff, which is great, right? Because they, they have a concept of what the design looks like and then they have a, uh, have a markup to, uh, to, to basically uh, make that real. Um, yes. I think in the past, you know, especially working with larger companies, you know, those are two different people. Right. Yeah. And, right. and sometimes where you where, where I've seen is there's some conflict, right, between mm -hmm. the designer and then the actual market person or the, the person that actually implements it. Right. Yeah. Um, so so I think 
by having that person as one person, it makes the design real, right? So whatever they are coming up with the design, it is actually implementable. And that speeds up, that speeds up development quite a bit. All right. So you're not going back and forth and, and going through things. So, um, so that's, that's one, that's one example of kind of having any, you know, engineer, you know, being kind of a jack of all trades, I guess you can say, but, but just flexible in terms of what they can do, uh, can do. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. How do you encourage your engineers to learn and uh, how do you learn yourself? Oh, we, uh, <laughs> there's no, there's no much, uh, there's not much to encouraging. I think, I, I think the, the assumption is that they learn, right? I think, uh, when they're, uh, essentially, you know, when the engineer is working on a, on a task, I mean, if they don't know it, um, you know, obviously they can bring it to the group and, you know, we can definitely consult, you know, about it, but in many cases is basically researching themselves. Right. Um, and, and we, and we encourage like things like, you know, automated tests, right. Um, you know, what, what are the principles around automated tests, right? And, you know, how you should implement it. That's all that, that's all stuff that, you know, obviously, you know, as a small company, we don't have guides to learn, right? That stuff. It's more like, you know, you, you go out online and learn it and, and you bring it to the team and you implement it. And, and I think that's part of the learning process, which is doing the research and then ultimately implementing it and then using it and then sharing that with the team and then educating us about it, right? So okay. uh, I don't think we have any issues about <laughs> encouraging the learning. I think that learning is all, I think we're learning every day. And, and I do that myself as well, right? So, so I, I, you know, I don't think there's uh, any okay. uh, issues there. Okay, okay. So what do you think, what are the most important trends in the technology world and maybe more specifically in FinTech um, that are, that, I mean, that are important for your company at the moment? Like, uh, for example, yeah, go like, ahead, for go example, ahead. yeah, like, for example, and like people are using like machine learning stuff, uh, trying, you know, to analyze piles of data and get some insights, but maybe you, maybe you can name a couple interesting trends that you're trying to follow at the moment. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I, <laughs> I you know, whenever I hear machine learning or AI or blockchain, I think there's, you know, I, I don't really know what to make out of it, I, I guess. Um, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know what to make out of it just because I hear it always in the news. And then when you dive into the solution, um, I don't know. I think it's just a buzzword right now, right? Those, those, those items. I think for what we do um, kind of at more of a, at a practical level is at the end of the day, we just, you know, the, the, whatever system we're building needs to, you know, could be, could make, you know, the, the advisor's life easier by doing it automatically. Right. So anything mm -hmm. that can be done automatically should be done. Right. 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 And so um, for us, I, I hate to use these buzzwords because at the end of the day, it's all about building a tool that can do what an advisor <laughs> um, has done, you know, over the last, you know, however many years um, automatically. Right. And so, mm -hmm. um, but, but some of the things that we're thinking about in terms of a product, right. Moving forward is, 
you know, whether we use the use of, you know, machine learning or AI, I think what's interesting is, um, is, is the ability to um, rebalance, right? And help advisors rebalance mm -hmm. the portfolios for the clients at a more kind of custom level, right? I think <clears throat> what I see interesting is, you know, the shift of everyone going, saying, oh, financial planning is the end all be all to add value to your clients, right? Mm -hmm. And they've kind of thrown the investment piece kind of out the door. Right. And they said, oh, the investment piece can be commoditized. Right. OK. Um, so our philosophy is, you know, yeah, I, I think financial planning has its place in, in terms of what it is in the value chain. Mm -hmm. But I think I think there is there is a lot of value that is not um, that is not, I, I guess, known or people are kind of overstepping on the investment side. And, and I think the one thing is everyone thinks about models and in order to scale a business, you have to have a model. Um, our philosophy is the reason why you have to scale with models is because technology uh, doesn't provide you that ability, right? Mm -hmm. And so for us, I think at the end of the day, it's a technology problem, not necessarily that all oh, models are you know, you know, investment management is, is, is not a value anymore, right? Mm -hmm. I think if you have a technology in place that can allow you to uh, customize more, right? Just like, you know, how you're customizing financial planning, you know, investments can be, uh, you know, a, a, a valued piece to your value chain that you offer your clients. So that, that's our pitch. Um, that's always been a pitch. Um, and so, you know, around, you know, the, the whole customization around um, allowing advisors to customize portfolios is obviously it builds a tool that supports that, but also to, um, if there's opportunities to kind of make that process a little bit easier through, you know, quote unquote, AI or machine language, um, that is something that we are taking a look at, right? Um, and so, so, so those are the areas that we're interested in, in and, and I think technology at the end of the day, if you look at it, I mean, it's all about making the lives of advisors easier. Um, mm -hmm. Those are the kind of the more practical elements of how we're using it on the rebalancing end to make custom portfolios. So am I right that uh, currently you're more focused on, uh, uh, on rebalancing? Because I see that you have, you know, like all the typical features for the wealth management platform, you know, like starting yeah. for yeah, so uh, in your, in your main pitch, you're using your, your showing that you have your balance and like a core core feature. However, you have other features like client. Yeah. So, you know, that, that kind of speaks to what I was talking about earlier in terms of where we are at in our uh, overall goal of our product. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so at the end of the day, we want to be a, a, a platform that supports, you know, not only the reporting piece, but ultimately the rebalancing piece, helping advisors scale their practice with custom portfolios, right? Mm -hmm. And, but in order to get to what we felt like was the rebalancing piece, we had to build a lot of the front end components first, which was like the reporting pieces and what we right, traditionally right. are kind of known for today, which is like, you know, reporting, client portal, aggregation, you know, performance right. and asset allocation, all that, all that good stuff, but client billing. I think, um, but our, 
our kind of number one goal or our goal at the very start of this company was to help advisors build custom portfolios for each of their clients. Mm-hmm. Um, that is our ultimate goal. And so building the reporting piece obviously helps us get the data into the system. And then once the data is in the system, obviously we can do some now interesting stuff on the rebalancing end. Right. So, so, so if you learn, if you were like kind of look at us the uh, last five years and how we progressed, you know, it was, gathering of the data, right? Building all the technology to to bring in the data. And then once we have the data, building the elements of rebalancing to make that work, right? And so so I think, you know, if you look at our kind of our our development cycle or development kind of roadmap, you know, I think, you know, we, we do have a rebalancer, but it's not you know, it's, it's, it's an account level rebalancing right now. However, in terms of feature sets that we put on top of account level rebalancing, obviously things like household rebalance, taking account, you know, tax loss harvesting and all that good stuff, right? It will be built mm-hmm. on top of that rebalancer. So as we move forward, more and more attention will be, um, you know, what we put on the rebalancing end to really, um, you know, align with what our original goal, which is, you know, allowing customers, uh, clients to build or advisors to build custom portfolios for each and every client, right? Using their own strategies, not using kind of models that you find in a marketplace or anything like that, right? So, yeah, yeah, so we've done all this stuff, you know, in terms of reporting, which is, which in our eyes was a way to get data into the system, right? Mm -hmm. And then ultimately taking that data and then doing something useful for it. And, and, and that's where we're building kind of this, the second half of our product, right? Um, and building more, you know, ro- robustness around that. But with that awesome. said, I mean, I think we, you know, even with account level rebalancing right now, um, and we, mm-hmm. we've already kind of, quote unquote, we, we've already kind of, you know, rolled that out. You know, advisors are mm-hmm. using it already. And, and, you know, a lot of advisors are gaining a lot of, Uh, value at it because you know you either have on the rebalancing end you either have choices of using a kind of a a typical legacy rebalancing tool that allows you to do kind of implied you know it it kind of forces you to use static portfolios or Mm -hmm. you use a let's say a robo tool which has kind of already the models embedded for you we Mm -hmm. kind of are in the realm of you bring your strategies and you customize off your strategies and we give you the tool to allow that to happen Right, in a okay. more stable way. Right. Yeah, makes sense, makes sense. So, you know, uh, summarizing everything we have discussed, so maybe yeah. you can tell me, like, what's, what do you think, like, the biggest challenge and the biggest opportunity for, for your company at the moment? Yeah, I think just kind of tying back to what I'm saying about custom portfolios, I think the big challenge is education, right? I think, um, you know, I think there's just kind of this, as of late, this, this, this momentum around uh, financial planning, right? Being kind of the value, uh, you know, the, the value added that an advisor provides his client. And, you know, everyone should just pick a model and stick with the model. You know, obviously our, our position is you shouldn't stick with models. You should have custom portfolios and we have a tool that can do custom portfolios, mm-hmm. right? Okay. And so it's the education around that um, that obviously is challenging because there's this momentum, right. Of, of going down the, Oh, just stick with models. Right. Um, so that, that's a challenge for us, but I think, but I think, you know, we're, we're seeing a lot of evidence from, you know, especially advisors that already are doing, uh, custom portfolios and, and actually a lot mm-hmm. of cu- advisors do start with custom portfolios. 
right? Okay. You know, especially new advisors, they do start with custom portfolios. But somewhere down the line, you know, they say, well, in order to scale, I have to do models. Well, that's not correct, right? I mean, you know, that's what our solution is for. You can still maintain your current, um, you know, setup, but, but and 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 have a, a tool to use uh, so that you can scale out custom models for it. So, so it's mm -hmm. the challenge is you know education for those that have already converted, but the but the opportunities are basically to get in front of advisors that are already doing thinking about a change, but then you know uh, not having to not having to kind of reorient their practice by having to force fit kind of their models into let's say outside models or kind of constrain themselves with their current models. Okay. Okay. Makes sense. Okay, Greg. So thank you very much. Um, yeah. That was really great to talk with you. Yeah. Hopefully you can uh, get some insights out of it. Um, again, you know, fairly new startup. So, uh, <laughs> so hopefully you can get some tidbits out of it and yeah, I'll, I'll, I'd be happy to kind of, you know, exchange ideas with others that are out there in the community as well. Uh, yeah, certainly, certainly. So I think you're doing the right way. Uh, you're on the right way. And uh, I have explored many companies in the same, in the similar space that you are doing, but mm -hmm. you, you already have uh, most of the pieces uh, that you Good, good. Well, that's good to have. hear. Ooh, at least yeah. we're doing something right. <laughs> yeah, so some of the companies, they are focused on building, you know, like all-in-one solution and building all the features. Uh, some uh -huh. uh, of them, they are focused just on, for example, rebalancing or maybe reporting or maybe risk assessment. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but it depends on what kind of clients do you have right now and uh, yeah. what is most important for them, whether they want you know, to to have a sophisticated financial planning tool or they are more focused on, uh, you know, portfolio management or investment side. Right. Yeah. So you can integrate and if you need, you can integrate any kind yeah. of tool. From the market. That's our key, right? We, we're we're not well. going to be the jack of all trades. We're not going to be all in one. Um, there's, a, you know, there's the best of breed in any tool, and we will integrate with those tools as opposed to you know building it because you know mm -hmm. we're, we're going to be highly focused. And then, like I said, going back to your comment, it's like, yeah, that's why that's why we want kind of that's why we can remain small, right? I, I think. I think in the very near future here, I think uh, we'll, we'll we'll start growing the team. But uh, but I think for now, it's it's worked out really really well for us. So.